This is also a great chance to practice your home disaster and evacuation plan. When you have adverse conditions is a perfect time to test the plan. HMMC. You're listening to the WYE Radio Network. In this episode, the state of California is dark. Now what? Man, HM's got you covered. podcast that responds to all emergencies on and off the job. And now here are your hosts, Motor Cop and the Happy Medic. Everybody, welcome to WYE Radio. This is one of your co-hosts, Justin Shore from the Happy Medic. And you may notice that it's another one of those shows where it's not the two witty guys, the cop and the fireman, riffing off of each other, the stuff that you've loved listening to for nine years. I know. But you know, life gets crazy and sometimes there's something special that comes up that one of us wants to talk about. You know, one of my favorite podcasts aside from WYE Radio, uh, as you know, is Freakonomics. And the hosts, Stephen Dubner and Stephen Levitt, have amazing content on behavioral economics. That's one of my uh, pet loves that I love to read about. But Dubner is really the host. And Levitt, uh, economic economics professor from the University of Chicago comes in every now and then and just offers little quips. Well, he took over an entire show a little bit ago about uh, the SATs and standardized testing, and it was great to see him really branch out. So that's what I want to try to do today. Uh, MC has brought you some single shows. I've talked to you in the past about how to prepare for a conference, what it really means to submit your content, uh, what you have to do while you're there, all that kind of fun stuff. But I wanted to address something that you may have seen in the news, and that is uh, California's state of emergency that we are going through, uh, as I'm recording this, we're right in the middle of it, of the public safety power shutoffs. This is from the local utility, Pacific Gas and Electric. It's the largest uh, privately held uh, energy company in the United States here on the uh, West Coast. It is the only person who can get us electricity. Uh, They own all the transmission lines. And what they've been doing because of high fire danger is they've been turning off electricity to hundreds of thousands of customers at a time. Now, you may be thinking, Justin, that's not a big idea. California is a big place. It is a big place. And notice I said customers. At the height of the shutoff 48 hours ago, there were 800,000 billing addresses without power. Now, think about your family. How many bills for electricity come to your house? I I would wager one. Uh, Maybe there's a situation where you've got two. So we had close to 3 million people without power for 48 hours. This may seem like no big deal. There are parts of the South and the Northeast that go through storms and the power gets shut off for days. Yes, we don't usually go through this. Usually it takes a lot of the ground shaking, uh, significant ground shaking to get us to pay attention to things like this. So what I wanted to do is circle back around and remind you about the importance of having a family disaster evacuation plan. You've heard about us, you've heard us talk about it on the show previously and how important it is to have an out-of-town contact for emergencies. But what I want to talk about today is what if you were up here with us and you got a text alert from your utility company that said, we're going to turn off the power in your area, your neighborhood, for up to five days, starting whenever and ending whenever. Do you have the resources in your home right now to deal with that kind of situation? What about the, the hubby? What about the kids? Maybe you've got some elderly folks who live at home. Some folks have special needs. They need a CPAP machine to sleep. Or worse yet, you've got someone in the house on a ventilator or a power-sensitive uh, medical equipment that needs to keep running. 
a lot of folks have a household that runs almost completely on Wi-Fi. What happens when that's off? Let me ask you another question. How long is the food in your refrigerator going to last after it shuts off? How will you know it's gone bad? Are you going to keep opening the door every five minutes? So that's what I want to talk to you about today and let you know about my emergency. Now, where we live is a little far away from some of the high danger fire areas here in Northern California. You may have known over the last couple years, we've had extensive wildfires with as much as, as many as 86 fatalities. Uh, you've heard of Paradise, California, completely wiped off the map. Two years ago, we had uh, entire swaths of wine country just destroyed. We had uh, firefighters that were deployed from my department an hour and a half north and in the time it took them to drive to the area they were supposed to be to, their instructions were to meet at the parking lot of the target. By the time they got there, the target was gone. I'm not talking about on fire. I'm talking about gone. You've heard me talk about this in the past. So what happened was, as they started to look at for the cause of these fires, uh, there's definitely an element of climate change going on. We can debate uh, till we're blue in the face about why and how and all this other stuff. But the fact is, is that the weather patterns in this area are not what they have been traditionally. We don't get little bits of rain spread out over the year. We get a ton of rain at once, and then it's dry. And then a ton of rain at once, and the winds have really picked up and started changing direction, which means that a lot of these fires are unpredictable. So as investigators went through and started to discover what the cause of these fires were, they started to find out, well, hey, a lot of these fires are starting near electrical equipment. It looks like downed power lines started some of these fires. Turns out after some investigative reporting and investigation that Pacific Gas and Electric, the company responsible for those power lines, neglected to maintain them properly. Their own records show that a lot of the money that they set aside for improving the lines and trimming trees was instead given to the CEOs and uh, CEO and board of directors as bonuses over the last few years. Now you can say, hey, they're the biggest power company uh, in the nation. You only get that way by having people at the top that know what they're doing. Sure. But when you set aside uh, $16 million for tree trimming and then you don't do it, chances are fires are going to start. That was one of the abatement programs that Pacific Gas and Electric agreed to after these devastating fires the last two years is they agreed to set more money aside by charging the customers more to try to deal with some of these power lines in these more rural areas and uh, dealing with trees. I mean, anytime there's uh, heavy winds, thunderstorm, you got a possibility of a tree coming down, knocking down a power line. So instead of maintaining the lines properly, Pacific Gas and Electric decided to do something very interesting. They just turned off the power. They shut the power off to over 3 million people at varying times in varying places to try to avoid their equipment sparking more unpredictable fires. Now, you could say that that is one way to stop a fire to remove its source of ignition. For those of you in PD and EMS that don't understand, a source of ignition is where the fire starts. And there, you rolled your eyes at least once for the show. The important thing to remember is that not everyone who has their power turned off is in an area that's prone to these types of fires. Some of them are suburban areas. We almost got our power shut off here at our home and over at MC's place uh, just because our grid is tied in redundancy to another grid that is high risk, which means that they cannot isolate that area because, of course, if there's a big windstorm and one line goes down, the line on the other side of town is still going to bring power in. It makes sense 
if this is 1895. We are in 2019, and we still have overhead power lines in most of these areas. Why? It's cheap. Now, granted, 90%, or at least that's what I've read, 90% of electricity is lost during transmission, which means from where we create it to where it gets, we lose 90% of its uh, uh, capability. But what about burying these lines? What about incentivizing homeowners who have solar to store power so that if the power goes out, we can switch over? These are things that PG&E did not address. They decided it would be better to just shut off the power and holy cow, did the you-know-what hit the oscillating device. A lot of crazy things happened. So first, PG&E, in their wisdom, got together with the counties that were uh, involved, 35 different counties. And just to give you an idea of the geography uh, of these areas that were shut off, this would be like shutting off power to Connecticut, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire all at once. And about as many people, too, so it's kind of handy. So imagine shutting off all that power and then putting up 35 charging stations. That's really not going to cut it. 35 places where you can go and plug in your phone, charge a battery, get your car jump started, whatever you might need. That's probably not going to cut it. It was something. Remember, there's no way to isolate schools, churches, fire stations, anything like that. Now, most of the fire stations around should have generators that kick on automatically, but can those generators run for three to five days? Who knows? So you've got these uh, community centers, these charging stations, and they're very difficult to get to. The closest one to our home was 45 minutes away on a good day with no traffic. Now imagine the power is out. That means no streetlights. That means no traffic signals. That means that every single green light is now a four-way stop. That's going to be a long drive for me, so I'm probably not even going to go down there. So that's what, the, that's what brought on this whole situation. However, our power never got shut off. Yet. Fingers crossed. I'm, I'm here at uh, MCPD in the studio, and I'm, I'm hoping PG&E isn't listening in and getting ready to turn the power off. That would be bad. But what it got me thinking about was how important it is and how comforting it is to know that if the power does go out, I have a plan. And let me walk you through a couple things I want you to think about. Number one, food and water. Everybody needs to have 72 hours worth of supplies for themselves and their family, preferably stored in three different places. Home, work, and the car. Now, I don't know anybody that carries around enough water in their car for the day, let alone for their family, uh, for 72 hours. All right? Keep in mind, every day you need a gallon of water per person. So three days, three gallons, four people, that's 12 gallons of water. Who's got 12 gallons of water in their car? Nobody. So let's be realistic. We need enough water with us to get us out of harm's way. If I can drive two hours and get out of the affected area, I probably don't need to take all of my 72 hours worth of stuff. You guys can go online. Uh, you can go to stealthangel.com uh, that we partner with and, and look at some of the things that they've got available. They do have 72-hour kits. You can get them at the warehouse store. You can pack a backpack. The most important thing about it is to make sure that you update that kit as your family grows. Uh, my original kit had baby formula in it. I kind of don't need that anymore. So that hasn't been in there for years. You also need to change uh, with allergies and with uh, what your kids do and don't eat. You can take a whole lot of great survival stuff out, but if your kid's not going to eat the uh, kale, peanut butter, protein bars that you got on discount in your survival kit, what's the point? All right. We've got some great ideas on what you can do uh, and what you can put in there. And I'm going to mention this website a couple of times, guys. WYERadio.com slash disaster. That's where you're going to be able to go and sign up for our big disaster plan course that's 
still in <laughs> development a year later. I apologize. But the great thing is, is we can piecemeal it out to you every time something important comes up. So you need to have your 72 hours uh, worth of stuff. If you're not entirely sure what you need, 72hours.org is a great uh, place to figure out exactly what it is uh, that you need. The other thing I want you to think about is flashlights. Uh, flashlights, the little ones you can get uh, at the uh, discount tool warehouse free with purchase. Uh, maybe you've got some camp camping lanterns, some camping gear. You always need to have spare batteries around the house and those ready to go. There are some really neat ones that charge off of USB and that's handy when we have access to power. But keep in mind, if that battery pack goes low, what are we gonna plug it into? The only charging station that's around is 45 plus minutes away. Keep that in mind. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is your car is a generator. Absolutely, uh, as a last resort, you can jump in your car, fire it up, and charge your phone. That's not a very efficient use of your vehicle and its battery, but that is a good backup. Uh, some people have uh, laptops that'll charge it. You may not uh, be able to use your laptop during the power outage. Uh, what are you going to connect to? The Wi-Fi. But you can use whatever juice is left in your laptop battery to charge your phone. They also make some of these uh, really fancy survival lights that are like hand crank and uh, magneto turn that you can also charge a phone with. They're not very efficient for some of the battery power that's out there these days. They were really good for the flip phones. They're not very reliable for the phones we have now. Something else to think about. As the power goes out, what we started finding up here uh, in Northern California and areas of Southern California was that many employers told their employees, don't bother coming in. There's not going to be power, so you're not gonna be able to work. Will your family be able to survive five lost days of income? Think about that. More importantly, school's closed as well. So now not only can you not work, but the kids are home driving you nuts because there's no power. Guess what, gang? Impromptu road trip. Use what battery power you have left in your phone. Jump on the internet. Find some place, maybe a couple hours away that you know has power. Go on a road trip. Get out of the affected area. There's no reason to sit at home and suffer if you don't absolutely have to. Not everyone can get up and get away, but if you've been told by your employer there's no work and the kids have no school, why not get up and get out? There's a very good chance you've got a friend that you keep in touch with that's going to stay and you can contact them to find out conditions at home. This is also a great chance to practice your home disaster and evacuation plan. When you have adverse conditions is a perfect time to test the plan. If the power goes out, the first thing I'm going to do is notify my out-of-town contact, let them know my provisions, who's with me, and what my plan is. They'll then go down the list of phone numbers that I gave them and let everyone on that list know exactly what's going on with me. This keeps me from using up my phone battery, answering the phone every 20 minutes from someone else who just saw on Facebook that I might be uh, out of power. That's going to eat up my battery very quickly. We can gather information, we can have everything set aside, but it's unpredictable, guys. There's no way to really know what disaster is coming up. This public safety power shutdown, the PSPS that they're calling it, there are so many people impacted that when they first announced the shutoff, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, their website crashed. Nobody had updated maps for almost 12 hours. And when they finally did put out an update, they put it out on television first. Anybody think why that's a bad idea? Exactly. If you've already shut off my power, chances are I'm not watching TV. Also, think about it. Who still has an FM radio at home that they can turn on? Not in your car. Something you can just sit in the house and turn on the FM radio. Well, there should be one in your disaster kit, that's for sure. 
go and grab it out. Let's see what's in there. For dinner tonight, with the power out, what do we have in our disaster kit that we wouldn't mind eating? Let's talk a little more about food. Your refrigerator is designed to keep food cold but not frozen, just above, and do so for only about an hour and a half to two hours at a time. That's when the compressor kicks back on if you have an old one like me or the, uh, the freezer here in the studio that you hear in the background sometimes. That needs to kick on a lot to keep that food fresh for the time that you're going to have it. The food in your refrigerator is not going to last more than a day and a half or two days. So if you think about the power being out for five days, that's a lot of food. Something else to keep in mind, how many people go shopping once a month or maybe every couple of weeks? And there's that one day that you're wondering where you're going to put all this food. There's not enough room in the fridge. There's not enough room in the freezer. The pantry's over. I don't know what we're going to do. Imagine the power went off the night you got back from the store. You spent your entire monthly budget on groceries. Budget, don't forget, guys. Very important. You spent your entire monthly budget on groceries, and now it's going to spoil. Well, that's the trick. As soon as the power goes out, you need to keep that door shut as long as possible. Same thing with your freezer. Usually in a disaster, what we want to do is save, uh, eat the food in the refrigerator first, then the freezer as it thaws, and then the dry goods in the pantry. The reason being, the dry goods in the pantry are going to last months, if not years. The hummus in the fridge, not that long. Something we can also do very quickly is get a cooler out. If we have any frozen items, uh, we like to keep five or six of those little lunch freezer uh, cold packs in the freezer. Grab those out, throw them in a cooler, empty as many things as you can into that cooler from the fridge. Quickly. So remember, it is not going to kick back on. It is not going to get any colder than it is right now. Limit opening the doors as much as possible. We're only going into the freezer to grab something we know is there, and we're shutting the door. Kind of like when you used to run upstairs in the dark as a kid, and something's chasing you. That's how I want you to feel when you're looking through that fridge and freezer. Keep in mind, water may be limited. In many communities, the water is pressure-fed from a tower. That's great, but what if it's pressure-fed from pumps? If you're in a low-lying area or a very flat land, there's a good chance that your water pressure is augmented by pumps, and there's a very good chance those pumps have no power. There were roadways here uh, on my commute that were uh, sending out messages on social media saying, well, we're going to be closed tomorrow because we don't have generators to keep the lights on in the tunnel, or on this bridge, or in this other unsafe area. It was going to be a heck of a commute getting in and out, but a lot of infrastructure that we take for granted needs electricity. And if we have just a local outage in our neighborhood, there's a good chance that that pump on the other side of town is still running. During these uh, public safety power shutoffs, that was not the case. So we may not have decent water pressure. Keep that in mind as you're going through the house using the toilet, washing your hands. The water that you have set aside is only for drinking, not for cooking. There's no pasta. There's no cup of noodle. There's nothing else in your disaster kit that requires water to prepare. Why? We need that water for drinking. Anytime you prepare something in the water, it adds other elements to the water that make your body want to dump it out. Keep your water for drinking. Limit the amount of water you use. Maybe you've got a uh, composting toilet in the camper. Maybe you've got an RV. What a great chance to go and fire it up and have a little uh, impromptu uh, camping trip. This is where I go back to getting out of town for a couple days. If it looks like there's no sign of the power turning on in a few days, 
Think about two days. Leaving milk out on the counter for two days. Your refrigerator is room temperature after two days. Nothing in there is going to be appetizing after two days. But what about when we get back? What if we leave the first day the power goes out and we come back, the power's on? How are we going to know what happened? Well, there's a few tips and tricks that I can give you to let you know what happened. The first being, smell the milk. Milk goes bad fast. I don't drink milk myself. I'm one of those people. I am uh, militantly lactose intolerant. Uh, that's kind of like where it makes my stomach hurt, but more it's the whole thing about drinking milk. Milk is going to spoil quickly. If that milk smells off, dump the entire fridge. Don't take any chances. Except for your condiments. Some of your condiments can last a long time. Pickles, anything in vinegar, anything that's been, you know, preserved a little bit, that might be okay. What about in the freezer? How are we going to know if the freezer thawed and then refroze? Well, if you go online and look, there's a trick that, that a couple of people come up with where you, you take a little cup and you, you fill it with water and you freeze it and then you put a coin on top. And then the idea is, is that if the freezer thaws, the coin will fall to the bottom of the cup and then if it kicks back on, it'll freeze and the cup will be at the bottom. I don't know about you guys, but these days with the freezer underneath in the drawer, or maybe you've got two or three freezers around, it can be very difficult to find room for an undisturbed uh, little cup of water. And add to that, um, how many people have young kids who probably think it'd be cool to take it out and watch the coin fall as it thaws? How many of you go to the, the warehouse store and you get something that's individually frozen? This can be fruit. This can be uh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts, thighs. There are things that you get that are individually frozen. Those items are very obvious when they thaw and refreeze. So for example, you go to the warehouse store and you get that. 10-pound bag of boneless, skinless chicken breasts. You put them in your freezer, the power goes out, you leave town. You come back a few days later, and they're no longer individually frozen. They're stuck to each other. Well, guess what? They're bad. Throw them out. What about ice cream? Have you got an ice cream carton? You got all those spoon marks in there? That's how you know the kids have been getting to it? What if you come back and that's nice and smooth? Well, that ice cream melted and then refroze. There's a lot of visual cues you can use to figure out if stuff in your freezer went bad. Another thing, freezers don't usually have an odor. Your refrigerator has a natural odor, but a lot of us put uh, the uh, Arm & Hammer in there to eat up those odors. Your freezer doesn't have an odor. The stuff doesn't give off a smell when it's frozen. If you open your freezer and it smells like death, get, there's a reason. Avoid it. I hate to say it, but you're going to have to dip into your emergency fund. Remember, budget, emergency fund. And you're going to have to recover all that food you had. That's a small price to pay for what's going on. Who's going to pay for that? Well, it just so happens that Pacific Gas and Electric has a program that if your power goes out and it's their fault, you can be reimbursed up to $125. Now I know what you're thinking, Justin. Um, I spend that much in 10 minutes at Costco. I know you do. That bag of chicken alone is 20 bucks. But here's the thing. When Pacific Gas and Electric turns off the power during this emergency, it's not their fault. They are preventing a greater tragedy and therefore, according to many reports of people who have tried to uh, file after their power gets turned back on, they don't have to reimburse anybody. So let's not try to place blame like I have been because there sure is enough to go around. But let's imagine it was a giant tree that knocked out the power. And my neighborhood's been out of power for two days. 
Am I going to blame the utility? Well, yeah, because the power lines are still above ground. Like I said, 1895. But what if it's underground and there's an explosion, a vault explosion, and it's going to take them two to three days to fix it? I'm still in the same situation. I still have no power. My food is still going to spoil. Where am I going to wash my clothes? Do I have enough clean clothes? Did this happen the day before laundry day? If the kids are going to be out of school and the employer tells you don't come in, congratulations, impromptu vacation. Open up that vacation fund, maybe dip into emergency a little bit. Go get a room somewhere you've never been. Call family and friends in an unaffected area. Maybe they can take you in. That's the great thing about the out-of-town emergency contact that you can learn about at wyeradio.com disaster, guys. Your out-of-town contact does all the legwork for you. They call you back in a couple hours and let you know about people in the area that can take you in, where the local disaster centers are, because that information is easily accessible outside of the impacted area. So I hope you learned a little bit about what was going up on up here in Northern California. Um, we've got a power company that's more interested in power than making sure electricity gets to people. Uh, but at the same time, what a great chance to, to learn more about kind of a, a sudden emergency if you will. That's what our show is all about. What's your emergency? Well, mine is they might turn my power off at any moment, but I've got a plan. Worst case scenario, we pop open the uh, pop-up camper that's got a little solar cell, and uh, we just live off that for a little while. Got some propane. Everybody's got barbecue, right? You got barbecue grill. Hey, we're going to barbecue because guess what? That meat in the fridge is going to go bad real soon. So until next time, guys, this is Justin Shore, the happy medic for my good pal MC, uh, who let me jump in here solo. Uh, hope you learned something. Hope this will make you even more ready for something that might go bad uh, in your future. Because remember, when we're at work in the three disciplines, um, you know, we, we are the help. And sometimes we need to help ourselves out of these situations. So until next time, guys, this, guys, this is Justin signing off for WYE Radio from MCPD headquarters. Cheers. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.